Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, one and all, to episode 154 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are broadcasting here live. I mean, not in front of everybody, but we're alive and we're here broadcasting from Castle Wolfenstein. And uh, I am, of course, joined by my co-host in life and co-host on the show. She is, and I'll make sure I get this all right, she is the Michael Phelps of wine, the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, and the queen of monsters. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashes Von Nightmare. So apparently, when you play the Game of Thrones, you both win and you die. Yes. That's or what I learned. That's what I learned from season eight. And you don't die. <clears throat> but we will be talking about that later on. Because we are, of course, also joined by the hardest working man in podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, the man with the velvet voice, Johnny Wolfenstein. I will take that introduction uh, anytime over the other one. All right. We got we to gotta change it up every now and then. <laughs> and uh, We only save the other one for special occasions. Oh, great. That's right. <laughs> and uh, we have a very special guest in studio today. He is the lead ruffian, the driving force behind Gore Shriek. And one of the most talented artists you'll ever meet, as well as one of the best dudes that we know. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Derek Rook. Thank you very much. And you, uh, you forgot, actually, I'm the king of whippets. The king of whippets. <laughs> That's all I can do. Because when a problem comes along, <laughs> you must whip it. <laughs> and I whipped it fucking good. Yeah. Can we swear on the show? Is that oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right. yeah. Yeah. We, I didn't know if we, this was a children's form of entertainment. No, we have had one, one show because the uh, the vice president of you our company, his son, his son came yeah. on for us, and he was 13 at the time. Oh, is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. this was a couple of years ago. We did ago. a podcast just a, a few days ago, uh, Steve and I, and he brought his daughter with him, and uh, she was adorable, by the way. She was oh, the most she's cutest great. Thing. Dr. Maddie. Dr. Yes, Maddie. Yes, she's like the unofficial mascot. Of, mm-hmm. of Rough House already, but uh, I was just so compelled, like, not to mess up in front of her and say something that was inappropriate, you know, which I even do in my sleep. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, think, yeah. I think most of us do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, you've you've uh, you've appeared on the show a couple of times. You know, usually interviewing you at a, at a convention. Yes, sir. Uh, but this is the, your first time in studio with us. Uh, yes. You so, asked you asked me what my favorite female horror actress was yes do you remember the answer oh you didn't think i was gonna be interviewing you did you oh no i wasn't prepared (laughs) for that i don't remember either so i was hoping that you'd say just so that i I honestly don't (laughs) you said somebody really awesome i think it was betty desi but i'm not sure we'll have to go back and listen to everybody says caroline monroe so i had to say something else there's so many beautiful starlets from that period it's true it's true there really is we got a lot of interesting responses to that question that yeah that was when you guys addressed the stranger things wasn't it yes yeah i remember that i was 11 you were mike oh nicole Nicole was was dustin (laughs) and she she was handing out chocolate pudding to everyone oh she was so cute yeah you guys were awesome uh, we did not place in the costume contest, though. Well, that's because there were some people who did it up and, like, really put a lot of, like, time and money and effort into their costumes. Ours was... You know what, though? Kind of like I a feel... last-minute ditch. No, I don't say last-minute, but... I feel that if people, like, if the judges had known me, because we were there Friday and people saw us and everyone knew who we were, and then Saturday, because I had shaved... And I did not have my beer, and I did not have my pink goatee. 
I would talk to people and they'd be like, yeah, hey, what's going on? I'd like, you don't know who I am. Didn't, wasn't it Monster Zero who called you Uncle, Uncle Fester, Fester in drag? drag? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which was very appropriate. I, I, I was like, man, that's a way better costume. <laughs> well, hey, maybe this year. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. But, uh. Derek, since this is your your first time in studio, sir, of course that means we have to get you with the getting into character questions. All so right, sounds good. Five random questions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of these I think are gonna are gonna kind of focus around uh, your main talent, which is uh, drawing with your left hand, mm. which is very good. So you guys it, haven't heard him play Bavarian cheese whistle, then doesn't yeah, doesn't that? <laughs> I've not. That's his best talent. That's just how I warm up. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll have to save that for a future episode because we did we did not prepare for that one. Um, so first question for you: If you could draw for any character, like you know, comic book, anything, like anything, if you could draw for anything, maybe you know, a movie poster, whatever, mm. what would you want to create? Uh, two-part answer if i was doing a comic book series i would love to draw the swamp thing Hands oh yeah down. that was one of my favorite series growing up um some of my favorite artists good came old bernie wrightson bernie wrightson uh, nestor redondo uh steve Bissett, john toddlebean uh alfredo alcala rick veach all some of my most inspired artists came from that period and of course the writings of alan moore mm-hmm. so uh yeah swamp thing would be awesome but if i was doing movie posters i'd want to do a good sequel poster to Escape from L.A. Just the poster, not the movie. I hate the okay. fucking movie. I never want to see the movie again. Okay. Yeah, That's you, fair. Yeah. But the the Escape from New York is my favorite movie ever, period, out of like any movie that there is. And the movie poster is so freaking iconic. It's awesome. And I always thought that they would do something similar for the sequel, and they did the crappy Photoshop, you know. The 90s were terrible for movie yeah. posters. And the 90s historically were terrible for all movie posters. It was all like floating heads, really bad. Like mm. um, Everybody looking off to one side. Yeah, you know, yeah. like everybody looked like a fucking Creed poster, you know? Yeah, yeah, like it was like some sort of uh, Christian rock album. Yeah. <laughs> everybody <laughs> looking at a different camera. You know, everyone's yeah. finding God in some other point of the room. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Ashes, what do you got? So <coughs> I want to know, what is your all-time favorite dessert? You guys are so much fun, you know that? <laughs> um, my f- all-time favorite dessert is uh, it's flourless chocolate dark cake. So it's, it's, it's dark chocolate yeah. and it's flourless. So literally, like, you, you cut it into slices that are only about maybe that big. You know, I know that's terrible like for it, radio. Like an inch, <laughs> inch and a half. You um, guys can see that, right? Yeah, you totally got that, right? <laughs> But, you know, when you get, like, a birthday, you cut, like, a nice big size for yourself or whatever. Yeah. But this, it gets you full with just a sliver of it, and it's um, it's just amazing. You press your fork down on it, and it literally lifts right off the table. It's cool. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, so if you haven't had it before, some places. Haven't. Like, the, I think the Cheesecake Factory has a version of that. Okay. Um, flourless. Cho- they have flourless cake. It's all different flavors. But yeah. if you like chocolate, yes. flourless chocolate cake. Okay. So that sounds like something you might have to try. Yeah. Chilled. It's, it's chill- ch- chilled. Yeah. So it's not freezing cold, but it's just not room temperature either. That gotcha. sounds very delightful. Oh, you would love it. <laughs> yeah. Do you like dark chocolate? I love dark chocolate. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, you would die for this. Okay. Yeah. And she's a, to... she's a good bakist. So she uh, I, I might have probably to, make uh, this. Yeah, I might have to take a stab at that. Yeah. And I love Ooh. it because I've only had it three or four times in my life. 
Maybe yeah, it's, maybe it's not one of those things for, where it's like, uh, yeah, you know, I just had spaghetti. I'm going to have a piece of flourless chocolate cake that I keep handy, you know? <laughs> maybe maybe a snack for uh, for Scaricon. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. So we'll we will definitely ahead. have that 100% maybe. Shit. You come over with a piece of flourless chocolate cake <laughs> and offer it for free. I might do a tuck dance. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wow. <laughs> Uh, so question question three for you. Googling recipes right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you find the most difficult thing to draw? Um, very busy cityscapes, you know, like with uh, building landscapes, uh, vehicles, people, you know, like when I have to do a crowd of people, um, like there's a scene in a, a book that I'm working on very slowly where there's a riot happening. So there's like a thousand people in the streets and they're all doing something different. Trying to figure out like what a thousand people are doing different from each other just drives me fucking crazy. So they all look like mannequins and they all look like they're doing the same shit. Yeah, but you know like, what? Like, every ten person does the same thing, you know? Like, that's, yeah. that's, you know, something that <clears throat> even like seasoned animators like you know i'm not saying like the backgrounds of a hanna-barbera cartoon but <laughs> it just keeps going until by. you get like you know like the more recent like say like a rick and morty or like even like later seasons of the simpsons and futurama mm-hmm. where you know the computer design got better yes pretty much everybody in the background would do the same thing like pretty much every nintendo game where there's a sports crowd everybody was the exact same person <laughs> Maybe they had a different color shirt on. Yes. Well, one of the things I did to circumvent that is I try to draw as many of my friends in my work now as possible. So, like, if there's a big crowd of people, like, say, like, uh, I don't know, there was a concert and there's a bunch of people in the audience Mm -hmm. or whatever. I try to draw as many of my friends because all my friends are very unique individuals anyways and uh and plus too it gets it's fun when you let them know that and then they can go in the book and find themselves and yeah. anything else yeah, yeah i've been doing that for a long like time like a where's waldo of kind of a where's friends. waldo yeah. comes in sometimes and it also kind of tests my own abilities to make sure that i gave them a good likeness so that they can find themselves and... wait is that me no that's a car yeah. oh. <laughs> i'm gonna do a where's wolfie in that book you just handed me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, sounds like, that sounds like a children's book hey yeah who is wolfie <laughs> Ashes, what do you got? So if you could only listen to one musical act or band for the rest of your life, who Ooh. would it be? Oh, my God. That's changed so much over the years. Um, as an aside, Wolfie, I just saw Devin Townsend for the first time last week. He did an acoustic set. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was. Where did you see that? Um, was it local? No, no, no. It was oh. up in Maine. In, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I would have won. Yeah, he, that's crazy. He uh, he opened up for a band called Avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we, we love Avatar. Avatar. Okay, that was my first time ever seeing Avatar. We've seen them like no three idea. times. Okay, I had no idea they even existed. We saw them in like this tiny little thing. We yeah. saw them at the Palladium twice. They had a guitarist who like sits on a throne and plays the guitar. The King, yes. the King, yeah, yes. the King. Yeah, yes. they're like a they're like a shtick band. Yes, and their most recent album is called Avatar Avatar, Avatar, Avatar Country, Country yes. and it's all about you know worshiping the King and stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, that was awesome. so. That's where that came from. But. Wow. Yeah, we saw yeah. them at a tiny little club. They they opened the, up um, Brighton Music Hall. They uh, they were opened up by Hell's a Poppin, which is uh, a pageant of the trans mundane or freak show. Sure, <laughs> and it was uh, <laughs> it was we phenomenal. I think we played with Hell's a Poppin once. I think you them. mentioned that. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was actually phenomenal. we were supposed to, and they never showed. That's what it was. Wow. 
And so we had to do two sets. <laughs> so that was interesting. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, first of all, Avatar was entertaining as hell. That was my. I didn't know anything about that band at all. I literally went for Devin Townsend, and whoever was playing around him was just playing. But they put on a really great show. Mm-hmm. I I, I kind of equated them to um, when I was there. I was like, what do these guys remind me of? You know, and I was like. They definitely got some Alice Cooper going on in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got some Marilyn Manson going on in there. Like I, I was thinking a lot of the singer too when I was when I was going Eunice. through these, yes. rattling these things off. And um but yeah, they almost like uh, on a much lesser extent, like a much lesser theatrical extent, like almost like a like a Misfits or a Guar kinda idea. Yeah. You know? Where it They're, was like, uh... totally like winking and nudging the audience as they go. Their uh their music videos are just are simply phenomenal. Are they like really? they're they're amazing. Some of them are like super funny. Other ones are like like really dark. Like their their song uh, "Bloody Angel." Yeah, the video for that is like very reminiscent of like like Nazi times. Okay. But like it's super. Oh, it's really dark. But the song is fucking phenomenal. Well, even live, like it seemed like some of their songs were very serious, and other ones were completely tongue in cheek. You know? Oh yeah, all their new stuff, like the, the all the stuff about the king, is is just fucking amazing. Yeah, like, he was on the throne for like the first four songs. Like he he was above everybody else. Yeah. like above the drummer and everything else. And then they moved the throne to the bottom and, and whatever. And they had handlers and everything. He he fucking shreds too. This guy's good. Yeah, yeah. But Devin Townsend was nuts. Just an acoustic guitar, Wolfie and him. Yeah, and he completely took the house down. Nice, that was awesome. So awesome. Man. Uh, to answer your question, um, actually, Wolfie was the person who introduced me to Devin Townsend, and um, I remember we were coming home from seeing uh, John Carpenter in New York. Yeah, and uh, we were just kind of, you know, broing out, talking about like, you know, what do you like to listen to? What do you like to listen to? And he mentioned Devin Townsend, and he could play all sorts of different music, and has. Uh, but I had no idea the amount of uh, of catalog that this guy. Do you guys know who, who this person? Yeah, is? Uh, yeah. From Strap, Strapping Young Lad way back in the day, and everything else from that. He's because I uh, mentioned to Wolfie I loved uh, a singer songwriter by the name of Dax Riggs. Have you guys ever heard of him? That one I don't know. No. The name sounds familiar. Yeah, Dax used to sing for a band called Acid Back back, oh. back in the nineties. Okay, yeah, like a sludgy. Uh, I guess a death metal band, sort of, you know, but they they had more going to it. It was like death metal is almost like a a slang, you know, to mm-hmm. to, to describe them because I thought they were a lot deeper, or whatever. It was the only band at the time that like literally made me uneasy. Like uh, I don't know if you guys saw like Hereditary as an example. Um, when I saw it, I um, I was I was kind of shook, you yeah. know, and that's hard for me. But it, a lot of it has to do with the time that I saw it. But when I l- first listened to Acid Bath. It gave me the same feeling. I literally felt like I had witnessed a murder, and it was just so awesome. And I followed his career. He went from like doing death metal music to um, uh, almost like a white stripe-ish kind of thing going okay. on. Okay. Then he did like an acid rock band, and then he's now doing what he refers to as like metal folk. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it is awesome. It is really, really, really awesome. An amazing, amazing voice. Uh, his playing is is good. You know, his musical style is is all over the place. He's he's influenced by so many artists that I have no idea who they are, but his voice is hypnotizing. It's so good. Um, so I'm literally on the cusp of of Dax Riggs and Devin Townsend, and I can't figure where I'm going to land because both of them are so prolific in their own ways. I'll, I'll let you pick two. It's okay. Yeah, you can. Well, then both. Okay. okay. Dax Riggs and Devin Townsend for sure. So last question. Um, we uh, we got a chance a while back to uh, interview Arthur Sidam, um, 
who did the Marvel Zombies series. Yes, amazing artist. And he talked a lot about how... Me? Thank you. I appreciate that. He, uh, he did... Um, he did like a lot of anatomy classes and stuff like that. Yeah. Now for the stuff that you do, because there's a lot of you know like body horror and stuff. <laughs> um, did you ever take any classes like that, or did you reference things when you? I'm mostly self-taught. Um, I didn't start taking any kind of um, formal training until later in life. It, it was more to try to get a degree to work in the industry professionally. Okay. Um, so I, I had, you know, everybody usually had like art class and whatever. But believe it or not, I failed art class almost every year except my senior year because I was so defiant that I would literally just do whatever I wanted, whatever. So like a, a good example, like um, one of the teachers, I'll never forget her name. Her name is Miss Welch. She sent a... Um, <laughs> And I'm still tickled by this, but she sent a, you know how they used to give you like the midterms yeah. and then they'd send the grades home to your parents so that you couldn't fudge them. They'd send them directly to your parents. Yeah. Well, they sent them to my mother and there was a note attached to it saying, I think your son needs professional help for real. Like it was a, it was a sincere like calling out. Like, I think there's something wrong with Damien, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. because every, and, and she was so uptight that I would just do fucked up things to, to get her goat, you know? So like one of the um, one of the assignments I remember was this rusted old radio flyer that was in the middle of the room, and they just wanted us to draw it. They had all the the students in a circle, and yeah, yeah, they just wanted us to draw a stupid old you know fire engine that was all rusted up. So I did. Only my fire engine was smashed up against a wall with a body on top of it, with blood everywhere and everything else. And I would do that kind of shit for every assignment. Like you know, she couldn't ask me to do a bowl of fruit without me turning it into something horrible, and. Um, and, uh, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. But, yeah, no, so that kind of stuff. But um, I didn't start formally training until later on, and I started trying to branch out. I had an amazing teacher at WTI that doesn't exist anymore in Worcester. Um, he used to be an old bullpen art director from um, – he used to work for the, uh, Worcester T&G back yep. in the day. Okay. But um, those – those art directors back in the day are cut from a completely different cloth than anything that's going on today. So as a for instance, uh, and this was the first time that like somebody said to me, you suck, like just you, you're not good. And he meant it. And he wasn't like trying to like reverse psychology me or whatever. He was just he was telling me that what I'm doing is pandering to the lowest common denominator. And he wasn't talking about content. He was talking about the work that I was putting into my pieces. And that's what pushed me to become a better artist. Up to that point, you know, you're used to your mom and your friends and everybody telling mm -hmm. you that you're good and whatever. So you keep on kind of pandering to that. And it's not until somebody comes up to you and says, hey, guess what? You know, you're not as hot as you think you are or your work isn't as good as you think it is. And I remember trying to, like, challenge him in all sorts of different ways and whatever, but he would always fight back. He made students cry all the time. Uh, because they didn't have thick skins. And he's like, I'm trying to prepare you for the industry. In the industry, it's kind of like being a model, you know? They're gonna, you're going to work out. You're going you're gonna to put on you know, your best clothes. You're going to do your hair and makeup, whatever, and you're going to go in into the casting director, and he's going to say you're ugly. You need to lose 15 pounds, and you got to get a nose job. You have to have thick skin, and you have to have thick skin in all forms of the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. This guy taught me that most of all, and he taught me that no matter what I'm doing, it's not enough. Once you think that what you're doing is enough, that's when you stop and you start to coast. And, um, you know, there's been different times in my life where I've kind of coasted and whatever. So every once in a while, I, I try to, like, not reinvent, but just give myself a boost and remember that there's a million different 
amazing, amazing, amazing creators out there. And you can always have your own brand of what you do, but you want to always evolve. You always want to see like any piece that you do, no matter what it is, even your podcast, you know, today's podcast is great, but next podcast is going to be even better Mm -hmm. and so forth and so on. It's always a journey, not a destination. And I think that's what I was taught the most. Yeah. It's like you don't win at it. You just do it. Like it's not, there's not like, okay, I've hit this point. I can't get any better because right. you can always improve. Right. Cause there's no such thing as like better or worse. It's so subjective. It's art, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, there's always more that you can learn. There's always more that you can try. There's always more things that you can explore. Um, and I think that's the spice of everything that you do in life. I agree. Yeah. If you can, it's not easy. It's it's easy to say you can do it, but it's like getting up and going to the gym every day. It's like, eh. Or I could have a piece of, uh, you know, flourless chocolate cake for breakfast instead of a... Uh, yeah, you know. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> well, it's called balance. You go to the gym and then you have the cake. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I, I kind of have the cake instead of the gym now. But it works. But it's, it's been working for me. Still balanced. You know, and I kind of like got the I think about going there. to the gym. And then I have the cake. Yeah, it's and then the thought that counts, it's, right? It well, you're eating the counts. cake. Oh man, I'm gonna have to work so hard. To I do work have a gym up. membership, so there's that too. We do too. Good. We just it's get. I there. keep thinking that every time they take twenty dollars out of my account every month, that they're actually making me bigger. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm paying for them to just like you know give me steroids in my sleep or something. So <clears throat> you have. Uh, you know this this large catalog of of stuff that you've worked on mm-hmm. throughout your your career. Yes, sir. And I know you occasionally make appearances at That's Entertainment in Worcester. Mm-hmm. You do you know freehand sketches for people? One of my favorite things to do. Um, but you've also you know this is something that you do as a profession. Yes. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've got going on currently? Because this episode is going to air. On the fifth, sixth, sixth of <laughs> of June. All right, so that's the Thursday before Scaricon. That Correct. is. So right off the bat, uh, I get, it looks like everybody in this room is going to be at Scaricon together. So yes. it's going to be awesome. And Scaricon is the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Okay? Correct. Correct. Cool. Yeah. So uh, Rough House Publishing has a booth there, and uh, we'll be selling our entire catalog. Uh, my entire catalog, past and present, uh, Steve, who you met on the podcast, and uh, you guys were friends before that too, yes. right? Yes. Um, he'll be selling his uh, two novels that he's worked on at, at the table as well. The Bone Eater King and Marrow Dust. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Very fantastic pieces of work. And um, we have uh, our first ever Rough House t-shirts that we're going to be de- debuting at that show, so that's going to be cool too. And uh, like I said, that's just a great convention. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching it kind of evolve and become its own thing. Um, but uh, we actually, this last Friday passed, so that would be Friday the 24th. We uh, did started our pre-sales for Gorshik Resurrectus Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys today got Gorshik Resurrectus Volume 1. Yes. And Gorshik is an IP that we picked up uh, about f- four years ago now, uh, maybe three years ago now. Uh, which was a resurrection of Gorshreek, the comic book series from the 1980s. Uh, that was part of the uh, black and white comic book movement of the early to mid 80s. Uh, things like uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they first came out. Yep, the um, Eastman and Laird stuff. The Eastman and Laird stuff for sure. Uh, Gorshreek was in there. Dead World was in there. Last Gasp. Uh, Slow Death. <laughs> Tito, get me a tissue. <laughs> 
but uh, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it had its run. It uh, did 13 issues uh, within about uh, seven, eight years. And uh, then it kind of went away forever. But it just had this giant fan base. And then the 30-year anniversary of that, we brought it back. And we've been continuing with that as an ongoing series. And this is our volume two. And uh, we're really proud of it. And we're still actually working on it. It's uh, going to be shipped in June of okay. this year. So the, are the pre-orders still open then? At this oh, point? yes. The pre-orders are still okay. open. They'll Perfect. be open all the way until we're doing 1,000 copies of each book. Um, we wanted on purpose for everything to be special. The comic book market, as I mentioned many times, uh, hasn't really improved with, like, say, the Marvel movies and things like that. If anything, mm-hmm. it's kind of devolved, if you ask me. But in general... Um, the best comics that you can get these days, if you're going to get them at all, in my opinion, are the crowdfunded books and things like that or the uh, the independent publishers that have decided to kind of go rogue and not be part of any other system. That's where you're getting the earnest, um, real, um, genuine books that aren't influenced by other... Like the very raw stuff. It's, like it's emotionally raw, not like yeah, it's quality-wise. You know, you can go see Avengers, which is fun and it's exciting, and you can have a blast at the movie theater, and then you could go see an independent film, and uh, you know, and and get all the emotional resonance and all the um, the nutritional value that you can't get with uh, you know a bunch of buildings blowing up and everything else. And mm-hmm. I think it's the same with comics. You know, you can you can get something that's just kind of there and entertains you for the moment, and then you want to throw it away. But what we're trying to do is give you a comic book experience, kind of like when you were a kid. You know, when you when you loved what you had so much that you didn't want to give it away. You didn't want to sell it. You did, you wanted to keep it. You wanted to tell your friends about it. You wanted to hold on to it. And you wanted to, like, pull it out once every 10 years and say, oh, yeah, I remember when I got this. And I remember how I felt when I read it kind of thing. And uh, I wanted it to kind of transcend age because we uh, we commonly look at nostalgia as, as something that we try to relive our past, you know. And I want to kind of. Uh, push that forward a little bit, you know, like the, the those memories last a lifetime. So the things that you do today, no matter what it is, 30 years from now, you're going to look back on this time, no matter what it was, and you're going to be the same kind of nostalgic. So we wanted that the our version of pop culture to resonate in the now and push that forward so that when you go back, you're going to be like, yeah, you know what, this is a book that I never wanted to get rid of. It sits there right on my shelf. And, and that's the kind of thing that we like to do. Nice. Yeah. So, I think with that... Well, we'll what we'll do is we will post the information for Rough House Publishing and the uh, how to get the pre-order of Gorshriek. Absolutely. On the Throwdown Thursday page for mm-hmm. anybody who's interested. Sure, that sounds great. And, um, you know, anybody who's listening at this very second, you know, it's roughhousepublishing.com. They can go right there. We have a store. They can go right over, find... We have different tiers for the books that we offer. Um... Uh, one is uh, a ten dollar tier, another one is fifteen, and then there's a fifty. And they all offer different things. We have extras with all our books. So if someone's more interested in a more stripped down version with with a certain set of extras, they have one to choose from. If they want more of a premium or a deluxe version of the same thing, they have that to choose from. And then of course we have like uh, you mentioned, Patsy, and that I do sketches. Uh, I do a sketch uh, special offer as well, where a certain number of books will come with an original sketch. And those are a $50 tier. So, yeah, we uh, we kind of try to cater to everybody's want for that kind of thing. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I think with that being said, we'll uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into our uh, our main topic of discussion. 
Why? Why did it have to end? <laughs> and that, of course, being our Why? Game of Thrones therapy session. So uh, we will be back in just a moment. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This uh, podcast is now banned in Germany. It's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey short. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Good evening, future passengers. Are you ready to sit back, relax, and join us on a ride of epic proportions through the mystical land of randomness? Am I a serial killer if I eat Lucky Charms? What would it be like if horror characters ran a gym? Who would run spin class? When a shark jumps out of the water, is it like suffocating for that split second? So join us. Every week for a brand new derailment with Goobs, Ritkin, and Jenny Bean. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Derailers. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Have a great night or day, folks. We are back. So, recently, the long-running HBO fantasy series, Game of Thrones, you may have heard of it, uh, has come eh, to an end. A little bit. And, you know, we are all avid fans, and uh, we all have thoughts and opinions on how the season ended. And, so many feelings. Um, you know, if you're interested in, you know, a more in-depth uh, dive into some of the stuff I thought as the season progressed. Uh, if you go to blackrabbit.com, that's B L A Q U E rabbit.com, I have a series of prediction and um, reaction uh, articles. You know, based on what we saw, I would write it, you know, the Sunday night that it came out. You know, like we would watch it. We'd watch it a second time, and then I would just write the article. So all those feelings were fresh right in my head, and I was writing uh, with my heart more than my head. So if you're interested, because there's going to be a lot of stuff that we don't get to. But, uh, Derek, you are the you are the guest. Um, what did you think overall 
in a general sense, what did you think of the direction this final season took? But before Wolfie, you you uh, are caught up. Yes. No. Yes. Okay. So want to just make sure. Okay. All right. So we are all caught up. We all know what happened. So if you haven't seen season eight of Game of Thrones, this is your spoiler warning. You know, I think this is it's been a few weeks now, so everyone should who wants to be should be caught up at this point. If not, stop listening. <laughs> Watch it, then come back. So the floor is yours. In a general sense, how did you feel? Um like we were talking about offline, uh I'm not particularly uh floored with some of the, the writing decisions they made on the show. I can go with it. Um what I think, and this is a consensus I think across the board. Every fan has been saying the same thing: is that everything these past two seasons, especially, it just felt like they were just racing to the deadline as fast as they could. And uh, what made the show special is that that te- it was basically a, a, a very Hitchcockian show, if you think about it in one sense, because it was all about the build and the tension. You know, it was almost like Taxi Driver. It's like you know, no, no action happens in that movie until the last five minutes, but. Um, the whole season, you know, you, there's tension, you know, there's, this is one giant, giant, giant chess game, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and everybody is a good player and everybody has their own strategy. And these last two seasons, it was just, it, it, it rushed so fast that it almost became nonsensical in parts that you couldn't have mm-hmm. any kind of mo- emotional resonance. And I think that's been harder to swallow with most fans than even some of the writing decisions. I think it would it would almost be like to use another fantasy story as as kind of like a, a an analogy. It would almost be like if you have the first, you know, you have Fellowship of the Ring, you have two towers, and then instead of Return of the King, they just hop on the eagles, fly over Mount Doom, and drop the ring in. Right. Like, really? Like... They've spent all this time on this journey, and then they're like, screw it, let's just race to the end. Right, absolutely. And, you know, there were people that also argued about how this existential threat of the um, the White Walkers mm-hmm. was such a big... It really was the underlying theme of this entire show, and it had no... It had no... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It had no bearing on the ending of the story itself. Right. So besides the fact that it was a threat that somebody had to get rid of, it, it like, do you remember, um, was it, oh, was it last? <laughs> I do that all the time. A bear in a uh, china closet. Anyway, um, it was last season or the season before at one of the end of one of the episodes, a white Walker had a real human baby and the baby opened its eyes and the eyes were blue. That yeah, that was, was what season season like four. four yeah, now, it was I think. a while ago. Yeah, now maybe I missed it, and I wasn't a reader of the book, so I'm not sure if there's something that I'm not getting. Maybe you can, you guys can help me with that. But was that a hum, a live human baby? Was that yeah, like that a was, hybrid? It was, it Craster's was a, baby. Um, Whenever Craster Gilly's father, yes, every time he, one of his daughter wives had a boy. He would give this over. And it was it like is, a sacrifice. It is a continuation from something that happened in the book where the 13th Lord Commander of the Night's Watch mm. fell in love with a woman mm-hmm. who with eyes uh, as with pale skin and blue eyes, you know, you know, they're saying it was a female White Walker. Yes. Because they weren't able to reproduce on his own. And he started giving his children over to the Night's King. Okay. 
uh, and it took Joraman, who was the king beyond the wall, kind of like Manta Raider, mm-hmm. and one of the Starks. It was probably I, I can't remember the. It was probably a Brandon Stark. Mm-hmm. They joined forces to banish him and wipe his name from all history. So no one knows who he was, but they just assumed that he was a Stark. In the show, he becomes the Night King, but in the books, it's a little more convoluted. Okay, but that's what I was. Con- I, I I thought that somehow that would pay off. Like, what yeah, he made like- those were his his generals. So like the guys who would fight with the ice spears, yes, as opposed to just the mindless whites. You know, they could. The fight. whites are basically zombies, right? Yeah, yeah, completely mindless. Which is why at the beginning of uh, the the battle for Winterfell, mm-hmm. you see hundreds of them lined up. Yes, because this had been going on. Even Craster said he had ninety nine sons, including Little Sam, mm-hmm. which never ended up meaning anything either. So ninety nine sons, but a white ain't one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good title. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's where that was. Yeah, he was using those babies, and I don't know if there was like some accelerated growth plan mm. to kind of like piggyback off of what you were saying. And this is something that I said in one of my articles. It's so frustrating that the Night King has been consolidating power for eight thousand years and planning and waiting and being patient and like goes out like a chump. Well, he must have known that if he died, everything goes to hell, right? right? And <laughs> like, according to, I haven't watched the whole documentary, but I've seen clips like the. It's called the Last Watch, the 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 documentary for like the making of the show. Oh yes, um, there were one hundred and twenty thousand whites, and this is coming from one of the actors. Uh, he was a Stark bannerman. I forget his first name, but his last name was Strongbeard. It was like. Agnar Strongbeard or something like that and he had been he had played a Stark Bannerman like throughout the whole series and he had a mighty beard but he uh, (laughs) he said you know talking about that scene he's like we had about 1800 in our army and they had 120,000 whites yeah so it's like it's math yeah Yeah. mm. but to take all this time and to like carefully wait because what we saw from the Night King, he shows up at <clears throat> he leads John and his and the crew that ventured north of the wall to that specific point, mm-hmm. surrounded them, mm-hmm. and instead of attacking and killing them, waited and waited and waited. Then Daenerys shows up with the dragon. And he has three ice spears ready to go. Right. Takes out one, gets ready to do the next one. And, like, he was ready for them. He was waiting for them. Mm -hmm. Like, all this planning for thousands and thousands of years, and you got taken out by Arya. No matter who he got taken out, even if it was Jon who did that move, it still would have felt just... It would have fell flat because we were always led to believe that that threat was. See, I always thought that overall that 
the story could have ended, you know, with, or what, what's the moral of the story is what I always thought about. And it's like, you know, and they did kind of touch on it with Daenerys. Again, it way rushed, but the idea that the throne corrupts, the, the reason war that, is bad, that the, the reason that all of these things are happening and that, that so many people are dying and so much, uh, tyranny is happening and so many things uh so many people are, are, are getting screwed over and whatever uh families houses sigils whatever um over a, a stupid throne that somehow the punishment should have been that none of them get it and in a way they kind of did that you know when the dragon kind of like mm-hmm. burns the throne to 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 the ground and whatever at, and flies off denarius and Daenerys going bad over it was kind of like saying, all right, well, this is what this does. This is an extreme version of what this kind absolute of power, power corrupts. Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, I always thought that it would have been cool if the White Walkers had won, turned all of them into to whites, every single one on the show. And then the, the Night King took the throne. <laughs> but that's <coughs> but but it would have at least had more of a point in the sense that because you didn't again, the White Walkers were the threat that everybody was ignoring. Mm-hmm. You know, this was to half the the cast. It was a fairy tale, right? It was yeah, like, right. eh, you know, whatever. If because they were so interested in the thro- throne that they didn't see what was flanking them, they should have paid the ultimate price. And that's not the way I feel it absolutely should have ended. But I think that it would have had a more of a, a point where it just felt like this ending didn't give a point to the entire show. Right. I felt like this should have been the ultimate conflict. Mm. You know, it should have been the final conflict of the show. It should have been the last thing to be resolved and kind of stretch it out a little more. The whole winter is coming thing, because that's been the driving force of the entire show. Winter is coming. Mm -hmm. We're we're preparing for this. Like that's the title of the first episode. For sure. Right. Um, For sure. (laughs) You know, so and, and the whole dynamic between the Night King and Bran, I thought that that was going to have more mm-hmm. I thought there was more right I thought that there was more to it I thought that maybe the Night King would die but I thought that Bran would take his place mm-hmm. not maybe not willingly but a lot of people he has, thought John too yeah but because he had the mark mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, uh, on his on his on his arm that I totally thought that he was going to be the next Night King and that's what you would see him rising been... to, to power as the new Night King and we he he would never walk again and that wouldn't be resolved as as a white you know as as the night king he still wouldn't walk mm-hmm. but he would have the ice dragon so he would fly yeah thus you know proving that pre- like you will never walk again but, but you, you will, will fly. fly yeah you know I, I thought that prophecy was going to be fulfilled with that that would have been very interesting See, i was also really disappointed with the lack of azora high Oh, how about the fact that and and I feel like you know, like if they had made this the ultimate conflict, they could have fulfilled certain probably the Azor High prophecy. John kills Daenerys in order to create Lightbringer and defeat the Night King. So, right, like it, it could have, which is what everybody thought was going to happen. It could have been better, for lack of wording. Um, it could have been more. It just could have been so much more than how they chose to play things out and I think that if they had taken more time and and that's the kicker too they spent more time filming these last six episodes than they did any 10 episode season mm-hmm. yeah they took so, a, a year and a half and the fact that you know for me that the, the Night King's battle 
was resolved in the matter of an episode. Granted, it was an extended episode, but it's still, still an hour and a half. It was an episode for a lifetime of show. Right, right. So I just, uh, it just, it just that whole thing just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I also thought we were going to lose more people in that battle. I thought so too. Because that's what they were building up towards. Mm -hmm. I thought a lot of people were going to sacrifice themselves for the greater good. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, uh, especially when it appeared that all hope was lost. When you're outnumbered nine to one. Yes. I mean, there was a point in the show where I'm just like, there's no way they can win this. I was kind of, my, I, I drank the Kool-Aid on that. Yeah, yeah. My thing, yeah. the way I looked at it, you know, coming into the battle for Winterfell, seeing what they had done for preparation, my whole prediction was, and part of this was, the guy who plays the Night King, Vladimir Fyrdek, is an accomplished stunt actor. We've seen him in every single battle that has taken place on the show. To give you an idea of exactly how talented he is as a swordsman, he was the double for Arthur Dane and did all the actual sword play at the Tower of Joy. He was dual-wielding those swords, fighting all these guys. He was the White Walker that John fought at Hardhome when we first saw Valyrian Steel match up against that weapon, which to me is still my favorite moment in the entire series the look on his face like Like the fact that (laughs) this dude had just shattered all these weapons and he goes to swing at john john is like i know i'm gonna die but i'm gonna hold this sword up and it blocks the ice weapon and both john and the the white walker are looking at each other like what is this shit and john's able to defeat him that's vladimir furtick i'm thinking okay there's going to be some sort of amazing one-on-one battle between John and the Night King or John and Arya against the Night King mm-hmm. or Arya's going to use somebody's face. You want to talk about missing plot threads? Mm-hmm. That shit stopped in season six. I mean, yeah, she used Walder Frey at the I beginning mean, of season seven. pretty epic. And that was it, though. She never time. used it again. Oh, she's right. going to use Jamie's face to kill Cersei. She's going to use Littlefinger's face to... Head south, you know, she's going to do that. Never came up again. Never came up again. But I thought they were going to get overwhelmed. They were going to have to retreat further south. They were going to bring in the veil. You're going to see Robin Aaron. You're going to, they're going to have to go to River Run. They're going to have to go to Greywater Watch and recruit, you know, Howland Reed and Mira Reed and like all the Cranig men. And they were just going <laughs> to keep going all the way back until they got to King's Landing and somehow they were able to convince the Golden Company, you know, take John's heritage because in the book, the Golden Company betrays their contract to serve Aegon Targaryen. Again, all really great ideas that... But instead... That didn't... They, you would have needed the time mm-hmm. to, to tell the stories that you guys both had well, proposed. Well, here's this. First episode, you take the first two first two episodes combine them into that first episode we see stuff going on at winterfell Mm -hmm. we see you know them making the battle preparations you have all the the interactions you know because there were so many things that were drawn out like the last episode had seven and a half minutes of Tyrion walking through the rubble 
seven and a half minutes. I mean, granted, you know, yeah, there were that's... some great cinematic shots. You and... rushed through all this other stuff to show seven and a half minutes of walking. You start the Battle of Winterfell in episode two. Mm-hmm. Then Melisandre shows up, lights all the stuff, and helps out. Well, did she help out? <laughs> she she tried. She, she, she the way like, they did. All right. First of all, she was like an ever ready battery. At the best. the the Dothraki are archers, so they're wasted on light. You don't send a light cavalry charge. With no armor, nothing, no armored horses. You don't send them out. It's like, hey, here we are. <laughs> Every sword because is like, then, this is exactly where I am. Because this. then the trebuchets that you have are now useless. You can fire them once. Right. Now they're useless. Right. Uh, also, the point of having pits, trenches, is that you fight behind them, mm-hmm. not in front of them, so you get pushed into them. So you just lost all of your Dothraki and all of your Unsullied because you don't know how to... And then... After they get overrun and everyone retreats back into the castle, then they're like, hey, man the battlements. No, the battlements should already be done. Either have Dothraki up there as archers or the Ironborn, who are also amazing archers, as Theon proved over and over again. Mm -hmm. All those guys should already be up there on the battlements, shooting flaming obsidian arrows. And when you think about the amount of money that was spent on this season, you know, they were some, I mean, that whole scene where Daenerys loses it and the dragon starts torching the city. Yeah. I mean, amazingly shot stuff. They built a real set so they could destroy it. Like, that's not green screen. Right. So, I mean, obviously that takes a lot of time. Obviously that Mm -hmm. takes a ton of money. But the story, you just need to sit down with a pad and paper and, and a couple other people and, and and bang out some really interesting ideas. The stuff that we're talking about in this room, essentially, I mean, arguably, I suppose, are more interesting. And again, you know, like, we're not... Sure, then you go make a show and, and show right, us better, yeah. you know? So I get it. But they, there's probably a million different reasons why they had to take the, the turns that they had to make. Um, you mentioned that the, the showrunners are moving on to Star Wars yeah. and, and whatever. Benioff and Weiss. Um, um, and Brian Cogman is moved over to the Lord of the Rings and, yeah. on Amazon. And who who knows what political... I mean, believe me, I just have worked in... Um, in corporate for 15 years of my life. I know exactly how zany... Mm-hmm corporate can be in general like with some of the ideas they come up with with some of the reasons i mean i remember when i used to work for corporate they would have a budget right and they would not have the building permits to build the building that they wanted to but they didn't want to lose the budget so they'd literally build a building that they were never going to use they would build a whole friggin' building a whole one like multiple storied building and then Come next season or, or next, you know, whatever, when they get their next uh, bunch of money, they would knock it down and then build another one. Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. And that happens in Hollywood every day. You know, well, I mean, that's it's, you know, that's, you know, even in, you know, the retail world, it's like, OK, your budget is X. Mm-hmm. Oh, you came in under budget. Well, I guess you don't need that much money for your next quarter. And it's been that way all the time. That happens mm-hmm. with the fire departments. That happens with the police department. So you just buy a bunch of extra stuff. Oh, there's no fires. Well, good. Then you get you don't need that fire department over there. We'll just wipe that one out, and we'll wipe out this firehouse and whatever. And then all of a sudden, there's a crisis, and now you don't have enough people. To exactly. Now you're calling people up from, and it, it, it's been that way in Hollywood, and you're especially overtime. And- so for us to be sitting here and saying, "Well, I mean, yes, some of those people probably came up with some better ideas than the ones they ended up with, but they probably had to settle because they're like, look, you know what? We only have, you know, thirteen episodes between two seasons to try to get all of this done. 
this is what we can do with the budget we have. We need to tie up all these loose ends. I hope we got them all, you know? Well, it's funny. Maybe. I, I don't know. I saw an interview, or not so much an interview, but like a red carpet thing where someone asked George R.R. R. Martin, they said, you know, what are your thoughts? It's all George's fault, by the way. What are your thoughts on this ending? He's like, well, I told them they could go 11, 12, 13 seasons, mm-hmm. you know, and they said, no, six. And he said, well, what about 11? And they said, eight. And like, <laughs> it was almost like, you know, uh, 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 you know, and not not an auction, but like they were haggling over, over, you know, like it was a car dealership. And, you know, we got the eight. But again, like there was so much drawn out up to season six, like once season six ended. And it's like, okay. Now they have to pay all of this off. Mm-hmm. And then season seven went through, and it was like all of season seven, them going up to get the white and bringing it back. It kind of made nothing. everything look, Westeros look really, really small, didn't it? Well, it also, it meant <laughs> Like they had a tram nothing. or something. <laughs> like, it, di- it didn't have any effect. Like, Cersei right. already wasn't going to send her army north. There right. was no reason. Right. It was just like a contrived thing to get Jamie to come up north to hook up with Brienne. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, the fact that, um, that Jon Snow turned out to be half Targaryen, did, besides the fact that it screwed with... Um, Daenerys's character and, and her like she didn't want that information out besides that what other plot device did that serve no it, it didn't, didn't matter he ended up north of the wall like which wasn't that's not a punishment see and this is the other thing the north is an independent kingdom mm-hmm. John goes to the wall which is in the north is he still bound by the laws of the southern kingdoms well, if somebody wanted to instill that, like they did with Man's Raider and when, that whole that whole story arc with the wildlings and mm-hmm. when, um, what's his face? Stannis. Stannis, you know, told him to bend the knee and he wouldn't do it and you know, whatever. So if someone wants to instill that upon them, I suppose, and, and try to forcefully force them to bend the knee or whatever. Otherwise, I, I think at this point, with his with his brother in the throne, I think he's going to be all right. Well, his, his, yeah. sister, his brother in the throne, his sister on the the throne in the north like the right. north is its own thing right the wall is in the north right. like there's a lot of politics that are like protecting him right now from i do want to talk about that for a moment because that is one of the things that i actually really enjoyed about the end of the season was how these stark children ended up the mm-hmm. fact that they were well the ones that started the season uh were still alive at the end of the season you know, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Mm-hmm. Even though now um, they're all by themselves. Yeah, but st- but I mean, but they're all doing what they were destined to do. They're all doing what makes them happy. Mm-hmm. Like, Arya was never meant to stay in one place. No. She is taking everything that she's learned through her short time on Earth, and she's going west of Westeros. And which John... Which is something that she had actually mentioned Season uh, five. A, 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 yeah, in one of the earlier seasons. And John literally volunteered to be in the, in, the, in the Night's Watch. His happy mm-hmm. place is up north beyond the wall. And the fact that he gets to be with his best friend Tormund and his best friend Ghost and, yeah. and, and gets to just kind of be free. And then the fact that Sansa, and this is, a, I can't Sansa. believe I'm saying this because in the beginning Sansa was one of my most 
disliked Ugh. characters and mm-hmm. and this season she actually became one of my most well-liked our characters. Sansa episode is literally called lemon cakes and stupid <laughs> <laughs> um and then I spent half of it trying to play devil's advocate and like defending her against which some is, of the stuff you which said. is weird uh which is weird but um I've grown to really like her character and I liked uh the end of her character arc mm-hmm. the fact that uh, everything that she's been through, everything that has led her up to this point, she gets to be queen, which back in season one, that's all she wanted. She wanted to be queen. She was going to marry Joffrey. Oh, he's my, he's my <laughs> king. I love baby. Joffrey. And you're just like, Whoa. Um, you know, to the fact that she is queen, mm-hmm. but she's queen on her own terms. And it, it does play to the fact that, you know, the, the things that you wish for in your life, by the time you, if you are fortunate enough to receive the things that you have, have desired so badly and fought so hard for, you might not be the same person at the other end of it. You know, because now if, mm-hmm. we, if we take Sansa as an example and we look at all the things that she had to go through yep. in order to sit on that throne in Winterfell, you know, you have to ask if that, yeah, I mean, for her, obviously, yes, but do the ends justify the means for the common folk? Right. You know, um, we all could want something, but we all have to sacrifice. There's nobody that's going to get out of here unscathed. And that's mm-hmm. the interesting thing about these characters is that you're right. You could hate somebody like Jamie. I hated that guy in the, the first like three seasons. But as time went on, I'm like, you know, because he was going through a redemptive arc that they abandoned. And they had a lot of. Yeah, they abandoned. You're right. But they had a lot of redemptive arcs in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm sometimes a little tough with the names, but the. Uh, the, the half-brother that totally went south and he got caught by Ramsey. Um, Theon. Oh, Theon. Theon, yeah. Theon Greyjoy. Yes. Yeah. Um, he went through a lot of shit. You know, all the way up until the end, remember when uh, his sister was captured by the uncle and he jumped mm-hmm. off the side of the ship? I'm like, you fucking asshole. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the, the beginning of the next season, he's like, I need to go fight. Because the the, she's the only one who tried to get him from Ramsey. Right. Yeah. I mean that so in real life nothing happens the way we want it to you know like the there's a saying that I love so much that uh, I heard a long time ago in a movie uh, nothing la- makes god laugh harder than man's plans mm. so here you are you sit there and you go I'm going to do this by the time I'm 30 and I'm going to be this by the time I'm 40 and by the time you know life doesn't work that way so no. it's interesting to see where we really end up you know we're having this conversation right now let's see where we are in 20 years Exactly. Let's uh, let's. I mean, unfortunately, not all of us are going to make it there. You know, some of us are going to be better off. Some people might be worse off. Some people might be better than they were yesterday. Some people might be. You know, life changes you. You know, deaths change Mm -hmm. you. Um, Bad decisions change you. Um, So I think that's what the show did well. I think that's probably what the show did the best is that it gave you the unpredictability of real life. That yeah, you know. Uh, Ned Stark was supposed to be the hero of the show, and he didn't even make it through the first season. He made it, you know, he was a foot shorter by the time that mm-hmm. whole thing was over with. <laughs> well, I think one of the things I said in my last in my last article was, I don't think it's so much, you know, yeah, there's there's things that are you, know, you can pick apart and stuff that you can, you know, say I didn't like this or I don't think they should have done it this way, but I think the real issue is. The show is over. There's no more theorizing. Right. There's no like we have a definitive answer. Half of the fun of this was like, 
oh, what's going to happen next week? Oh, how are they going to get out of this one? You know, mm-hmm. what's going to happen now? Like, where's all the wildfire? Oh, I, you know, what's, what is, you know, person X going to do next? Right. And now we have all those answers. We know what happens. Mm-hmm. There's no more theorizing. There's no more guessing. There's no more anticipating the next season. There's no more year in between, you know. Well, I mean, not only that, it's it's the camaraderie that it created. Mm -hmm. You know, getting together with people like we're doing right now and having these discussions. Like, we've uh, made friends over Game of Thrones. Yeah, once you guys started talking about Game of Thrones, I forgot I was pushing my shit. (laughs) 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 I'm like, oh, yeah, roughhousepublishing.com. Anyway, so anyways, (laughs) Game of Thrones season eight. You know, um, it was something that... We uh, don't always have much in common with certain family members, but this is the one thing that we had in common with them. Yeah. And you know, would get together Sunday nights to watch Game of Thrones. And, Fantasy, and that's stuff. elves and goblins and shit. That's dumb. Uh, you're watching a show about ice zombies. I'm really glad that this wasn't a show that you had the option to binge. I'm glad that everybody had to tune yeah. in once a week. Yeah, we we, um, we didn't we s- get into it till about season three, mm-hmm. so we binged through the, the first, first couple of seasons. Yeah, sure. And but then, once you caught up, you, you know, every right. Sunday you had a destination. Yep. And every Monday morning you had a water cooler moment. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say that. That's the big thing is so with with Netflix, it's awesome to be able to binge it all in, at once. But you may be on episode seven, and the other person may have only seen episode one and two, right? And you can't really t- you're like, oh, well, I can't talk about you it with you. Spoil it with anybody. So that I mean, that's a great thing to be able to binge things. But I, I think it's it's such a appointment viewing. I think is huge because you can turn it into this event where people talk about it and people have parties and they tune in. And you know, I think that's a, a huge part of of yeah. that shared experience. Yeah, I think so. And I think you absorb it more too if you have a, ch- a chance. Like you binge an episode, or you binge like like me. I watched the whole second season of The Punisher in, in two days. You know. But at the end of the day, I was just plowing through those episodes as fast as I could. None of them I never had a chance to digest and like think yeah. about what the episode because yeah. the next about. one but with these, comes right up. We got right. to watch an episode of Game of Thrones, and then and then the the closing credits come, and your jaws on the floor, and you're like, "Oh fuck, what you did I just have that see? moment to sit and reflect on what the hell did I just watch? Right, what just happened versus when you know when you binge like I was I was sick for a couple of days, so that's mm-hmm. what I do. I, mm-hmm. I sit there and binge the Netflix, and that's and, a good time to do. You that. know, and um, I watched some great things, but you know, I realized that. Uh, I've you know, again. I have a friend who's like, "Oh yeah, I started watching this." I'm like, "Oh, I just binged it the other day. It was great." Like, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil it for you. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, I feel like I, you don't get as much out of it Agreed. as you do. Um, well, um, you got a whole week to be like you talked about it as a communal experience. It's it's a communal experience because, like you say, you watch everybody watches it at the same mm-hmm. time. Everybody has different views on what they just saw. They get to talk about it for a whole week on all sorts of different mediums. And especially yeah. now, you get to talk about it with your best friends. Like you said, your best friends, your husband, your family, your coworkers. Mm-hmm. And you get to experience different viewpoints from other people. And, and then after a whole week of all of that, then you get another episode. Yeah, right. and, you and then you get to see like, okay. Did the YouTube person, channels and everybody breaking right, it no, down frame by frame. Did somebody pick up on something that I didn't, right. you know, or this meant this to me. What did it mean to you? Right. You have a completely different perspective. So mm-hmm. you can enter into the next episode, not only with your set of eyes, but, you know, keeping in mind the uh, opinions of what you've heard throughout the week. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for little things like, is this going to happen? Or is this going to pay off? Or what's happening with this character? And, you know, you don't get that 
from binge watching a show. Agreed. I did the same thing with uh, both seasons, actually, of uh, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And as, as great as that show is, and I do love the show, again, two days each for both yep. of those seasons. Yeah, and that we, was done. Uh, yeah, we took the day off from work, actually, the, <laughs> when uh, Stranger Things season two dropped. And we just yeah, watched we took it that Friday day. off. I love we it. got takeout and just watched it. That's a good way to start the weekend. Watched it all, um, which was great. But yeah, well, sometimes again, you have to like, rush you know, through it so people don't ruin it for you as well. Well, well nowadays, you can also try to stay off of social media. But you know, again, when you're you know doing your own thing and you're trying to promote yourself mm-hmm. and do certain things, you kind of can't avoid social media. So it's a double edged sword. But it is nowadays. You're right. Like when, especially with movies, I noticed that's that's when that becomes a double edged sword. You kind of need if you have a favorite movie that's coming out, you kind of need to see it opening night or opening weekend anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. if it's a popular movie and you're not going to get to it for another two weeks or three weeks, I mean, you're almost doomed to get it spoiled. We were worried. We w- we went to see Endgame Friday instead of Thursday, and we were concerned. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. Rightfully yeah. so. Yeah, luckily people were a little bit nicer about that film uh, than some other stuff that we didn't have the opportunity to see right when it dropped. For sure. But, yeah... So, I think that was, you know, we... (sighs) There's so much. There's so much that we could unpack. There's so much that we could talk about. And if you have anything that you would like to share, definitely hit us up on our Facebook page or on Twitter or, you know, on on Instagram. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on the season. I think the more it digested a little bit, the less I hate it Mm. as much as... I don't even say hate. The the less I I dislike it. Are you saying that you hated it when it was finally over? Um, I was disappointed. I Just initial just disappointment, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the, the fate of certain characters. Not so much that... They died. How they died. How they died. And like how Cer- they Like they, Cersei? Yeah, like Cersei. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Her, the whole season for Cersei was just kind of pitiful. Yeah. Um, but, th- but then I, I thought I was overreacting. And then I saw that Lena Headey actually had uh, similar reactions to what I had. She was during, like the t- Yeah, she was not very happy with the fate of Cersei. Uh, again, not, not the fact that she died, but mm-hmm. it was just like how... She did it because, you know, it, it wasn't a good send off for the character. That little uh, Mormont girl got a better send off. Yes. Than yes, Cersei I, did. I, I agree. She got and a better send off than most characters. This is true. She, really she, did. Was, she got like probably the best. I'd like to go uh, out like that. I think that's I think that's the best way to do it, though, because if she got like a glorious beheading, then like I, I think that's almost like too good. Like I, I and plus Jamie, how did Jamie say that he wanted to die in the arms of the woman he loved? Right. So I mean, which Jamie we all got, thought was Brienne. Well, and right. but but here's the thing: Nikolai Coster Waldo actually had to pull Lena Headey aside and almost talk her off a ledge. Be like, "Look, Jamie came to rescue Cersei. She is at peace. This is the most peace she's had in her entire life." Yeah, she was, and, she and, was corrupted. Yeah, herself. Well, since uh, she the, heard the prophecy of Maggie the Frog. Yeah. Well, and not only that, just you know, her father, and her and her husband. Her husband you know. cheated on her a bunch of times. Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. Since she heard the prophecy of Maggie the Frog, since she was like nine, mm-hmm. you know, she was supposed to marry Rhaegar. Um, so putting it that into perspective, you know, that final ending, you know, doesn't bother me as much anymore. But it was just everything that kind of led up to that. Mm. It was I, I still. 
it's a it's a thing but anyways um but there are certain things that i don't dislike as much as i did initially yeah after i'm gonna watch the whole season the whole series through oh yeah i mean it's and then that's the thing like my opinion on this season does not reflect my opinion on the series as a whole i still think it's probably one of the most brilliant pieces of television ever made some of the best characters yeah I've you had know? more fun watching this show than I have many, many, many shows. Yeah, and the rewatch value. I mean, we've rewatched the series what three or four three times. Three or four times, yeah. Um, you know, and I can't wait to have the time to sit down and rewatch it again. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I feel like this is something that I'm going to continue to rewatch, almost as much as I rewatch Sex in the City. I don't know about that. You watch that every single day. <laughs> I fall asleep watching it. It's great. Um, but yeah, so if you have any thoughts or opinions that you would like to share, definitely hit us up or you know, email us at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know what you think. So, Derek, I want to thank you for joining us today. Guys, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. We'll have to have you back. Sure, yes. anytime. Anytime. Yes. I'll we, we still have to talk about Kra the Sea Monster. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're on, man. But, it's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, so thank you so much for stopping by. I know you uh, have limited time. It's all right. So. I, I, I very much appreciate it, guys. Anytime. We're going to have a blast at uh, Scaricon. Yeah, that's going to be a good time. Yes. That's going to be, be a lot of fun. It's going to be a good time. Honestly, like I, I, I watch the skies with, with that in particular con. I think it's going to become much bigger in the next three I or four so. years. I hope so. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want Rock and Shock to go away. I love Rock and Shock. Some of my most amazing memories come from that convention we view it as like a a a family reunion of sorts you know i would argue that that maybe some of the people that were running it did too and that was part of the downfall because a lot of the guests are their friends Mm -hmm. and they're looking for an excuse to get together every weekend or that weekend and and have fun with their buds but you gotta i don't know i mean uh, again i'm criticizing without knowing what the the behind the scenes yeah hopefully we get to keep both I love it. I don't want it to go away, but, um, you know, the fact that we have two to choose from now or we have both to to enjoy and we don't have to just wait until October every year is cool. Yeah. You know, and that it's actually a a fortified convention. It's got some good guests. It's got good attendance. It's in a decent location. It is. Yep. You know, so it's almost like you you think of it like halfway to Halloween and Halloween, right? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Every six months you get a you get a horror con. So for sure. For sure. So uh, rock on, guys. Thank you. So, yeah, once again, roughhousepublishing.com. We'll be posting links, all that good stuff. So uh, I think with that, we'll we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll uh, wrap things up. We got a little bit more to talk about. but uh, We got a battle. I know. And I know you got to get going. So thank you once again. Take care, guys. All right. A.K.A. Bigfoot. But you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created F is for Family. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Hello again, everyone. It's Mr. Most Days Off from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show, here with a special message for you from Richie the Whiz Kid. You know, a town without Best Darn Diddly is a little like the mule with the spinning wheel. 
No one knows how he got it, and danged if he knows how to use it. The name's WizKid, Richie the WizKid, and I come before you good fans of Springfield with probably the greatest podcast. Uh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville podcast. Now, you wait here just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. You tell us where to listen to Best Darn Diddly and we'll listen. I'll tell you exactly where you can listen to it. You can catch the Best Darn Diddly Review Show each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. So hop on the monorail and join us on this journey through the Simpsons series. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. <laughs> Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. And we are back. So that was good. It's always good getting to see getting to see Derek because we don't we don't see him all that often. Like we see him at conventions and we see him at, at like Deadite shows. I mean, busy people. Yeah, everybody's busy. Everybody works all the time. So yeah, I, I, I hope you guys enjoyed that Game of Thrones discussion. I know there's we we could do like three or four, five hours just on. You know how we thought about this, what we thought about the season, how we felt about it, but you know, we don't have four or five hours. Not but, with that attitude. I know, I know. So, like we said, um, we're going to be at Scarecon this uh, tomorrow. Starting tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, we're going to be there all weekend. We're going to have a uh, a booth. I don't know. Not like a booth, but like a table. Yeah. I don't know exactly where we'll be located, but I guess there's going to be a whole room dedicated to the podcasting group. So just uh, if you happen to be at Scarecon, just walk around. You'll find us. Yeah, come by. We're kind us. of hard to miss. Uh, Trick or Treat Radio will be there. Um, I'm sure there's going to be quite a few other, um, quite a few other uh, podcast groups. Oh, pardon me. There as well. Um, there is uh there's some podcasting awards. There is one for uh the fan favorite award. Uh so vote for your favorite podcast there. If you don't vote for us, we won't hold it against you, but if you want to vote no, for us. No, we will. You'll totally you wanna, hold it against you. If you, you want to vote for us, we'd appreciate it. Um we're also up for best overall podcast along with Trick or Treat Radio and best interview. So hopefully uh hopefully we get to take home a trophy. That would be cool. We're also I like gonna trophies. Have, we're also going to have a bunch of stuff. We are. Available. We, so, we guys, we have stickers. And like, buttons. seriously, we have stickers and we have buttons. So come by and get a sticker and a button. And we are also raffling off a Throwdown <laughs> Thursday mystery box. Yeah, it's all stuff. Related to yeah. Throwdown Thursday. I don't know if we can put wine in it, though. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. There may be wine. Yeah, I think it, we, there there may, or wine ish things. There's a there'll be a bunch of grapes. <laughs> Make your own wine. Yes, you just need to be patient. Some assembly required. But we are we are. Uh, I'm also going to be selling uh, my book, Monsters in the Closet, my collection of short stories. So uh, we'll we'll have that there as well. So if you 
want a, a, a book you can read while you're pooping, uh, this has a bunch of short little stories in it. We'll also be giving away free hugs. Yep. Well, Patsy's hugs are free. No. Mine cost $5, but they're worth it. You're, you're, you're stealing my bit here where I charge $5 for premium hugs. That's a thing that you do? That's always been a thing I do. Does that include like a reach around or something? That what's, includes- what's a premium hug? Uh, well, there's premium hugs, then there's extra primo good. Those are a little more. But, uh, but yeah, we'll have we'll have raffle tickets. You got to explain, though. Like, what does that mean? Oh, I mean... Like a finger in the butt? Like, what are we talking here? I think like, that, primo? Uh, it depends person to person. Like, I don't want to pigeonhole <laughs> anybody. Unless you're into that, then... I guess I could pigeonhole you, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, again, free pigeonholes, <laughs> you know, come get pigeonholed at the, at the throwdown Thursday booth, but yeah, we'll be there. We'll be recording some video. We'll be recording some audio. It'll just be just sexy stuff we'll going on. Do it. Probably drinking. Most likely. Most come likely. party with us. We're going to have a blast. Yeah. <clears throat> Hoping to get to chat with a couple of people. So, but, um, we have we, a new battle. We do have a new battle. So, and it's a really interesting battle. I think so. So, Wolfie, if we could get the battle theme from Enchanted Exile, please. It's Now, Ashes, I came up with this battle, but you came up with the good name for it. So first, I'll give people the what the battle is, and you can give them the name for it. No. You don't want to do it that way? No, I'm just going to do it all. Okay, do it all then. You will, you will get the credit for Patsy created this battle, so thank you, Patsy. Yes, well, we're calling welcome. this the Stick 'em with the Disappointy End which series had the worst ending? You've got Game of Thrones, Lost, Dexter, How I Met Your Mother, or The Sopranos. Yeah, so it's which one left you no, the least those satisfied. Are the ones that you have to choose from. However, if you have any honorable mentions that you would like to let us know about, definitely uh, mention them in the comment section below the poll. Yes. On the Facebook page. Yeah. So that's uh, stick them with the disappointy end. So that was definitely a good, a good, uh, good title. Um, we do have uh, some science and wine facts today, so why don't we uh, why don't we do science first? From the blackness of space, timeless from the void, you terrified to learn of Patsy's science facts. <laughs> so today's science fact is. Uh, Little little uh, mythology because we talked about a lot of fan fantasy and stuff like that today, and uh, Ashes and I had talked about this earlier today, and she was unfamiliar with this particular uh, ancient Greek deity. Uh, we were talking, of course, about Dionysus, 
I said, "You need to get. We need to get a statue of Dionysus to have in the house." And she was unfamiliar with him. Uh, Dionysus was the ancient Greek god of wine, winemaking, grape cultivation, fertility, ritual madness, theater, and religious ecstasy. I can get on board with most of those. Uh, his Roman what, name what was is Bacchus. Religious ecstasy. I, like, what is that? Like I, practicing religion while on ecstasy? I couldn't tell you what religious ecstasy is. Is the ecstasy a religion? It could be. Depends on you know how often you you do it. But yeah, I don't know that that part. I I'm not sure exactly what that's supposed to be. Maybe like the satisfaction you get from being a good religion. I don't know. But. Uh, he was worshipped as early as 11,000 B.C. Good for them. Although that might be a typo because it says 1,500 to 11,000. I think it might be 1,500 to 1,100. Uh, it also says B.C.E., but that's fucking stupid. Um, I don't like that B.C.E. shit. You down with BCE now? You well, know me. Like what? It's it's instead of BC and AD, it got changed a few years ago to BCE before Christ existed, and like ACD after Christ's death. So there's ACDC. No, not even that cool. So I guess there's just like a period of time from for thirty three years where it's just Christ's death. I I don't I don't fucking know. Like how this changed, even BC to AD is fucking stupid to me. Time should just be time. Yeah, like I'd prefer to go by, you know, the rise of civilization. Mesopotamia. So, yes. So uh, you have you have some wine you'd like to talk I about. I do have some wine I'd like to talk about. <coughs> My favorite thing to drink is wine. And everyone knows that my favorite kind of wine is free wine. An open one. (laughs) Free is better. So I got a bottle of wine from a coworker the other day. Uh, He had tried it at a wine tasting at a liquor store and really enjoyed it and thought that I would enjoy it as well. So he bought me a bottle. It is from the Rodney Strong Vineyards. Uh, They are located in Sonoma County, California. It is their Cabernet Sauvignon. um, I had their 2016 Vinted. And it says on the winemaking notes, our 2016 Sonoma County Cabernet Sauvignon is rich with dark cherry, plum, and baking spices. This delicious fruit is accompanied by black pepper notes, crushed violet, and cassis. The palate has medium tannins, lingering spicy oak flavors with a velvety lush finish. It is a Cabernet that does not 
act like a typical Cabernet. It kind of has almost like a, a Tempranillo type of flavor to it. It definitely has a decent body. Um, it is very fruit forward, but has this very nice like spiced finish that lingers on the back of the palate, like on the back of your tongue. And it pairs really nicely with cold pasta at two o'clock in the morning. Just throwing it out there. Uh, but yeah, so this is the Rodney Strong Vineyards 2016 Sonoma County Cabernet Sauvignon. It's very delicious. Very nice. So we've got some uh, some big stuff upcoming <laughs> We don't want to get into a lot of detail right now. But the now. biggest thing right now is Scaricon tomorrow. Come see us. You won't yes. be disappointed. So, you know, we Let may... Me come see us. Come see Trick or Treat Radio. Stop by the Rough House Publishing booth. See Steve and, and visit, Derek. Yeah, visit with Mr. Derek Rook and Mr. Steve Van Sampson. Pick up a comic. Pick up one of Steve's books. Talk about Retro Redoctopus with Steve. Mm-hmm. Parasite Steve. Yeah, so maybe mention that hey, Parasite Steve, I heard some of your Enchanted Exile on Throwdown Thursday, and he'd be like, "No way, that's cool." It is. He's a good guy. Derek's a good guy too. Definitely go see them. Just go around. There's a there's and check a, out some of the other. I mean, I'm not quite sure what other podcasts are going to be at Scaricon, but definitely check out some of the other podcasts that are around yeah, as well. See if something strikes your fancy because these yeah. are mostly horror. Uh, go see our, our our friend Melissa who appeared on the Repulsive Glamour episode talking about pin rate. Yep, she pin has the show Shock Treatment, Hellraiser, not Pin Razor. I know it's doing really well. It's nap good time. job. I'm, I'm sure. I think you guys know the Dorkening, right? I know of them. I don't think we've actually met. Oh, okay. Well, I know they're going to be there. They're two. Uh, Leo and Kevin are uh, judges for the for the podcast award. So, oh, I'm, rad. I'm, and I'm pretty sure they're they're doing a lot of the uh, panels and stuff like that. So they'll definitely be there. I don't know if they have a table or if they're going to be too busy, but I know they'll be there. Yeah. So you know, maybe you find a new show that you enjoy. Maybe you meet some cool new people. Uh, but that's what's all about. It's you yeah. know, like obviously you want people to listen to. To your, you know, your show, and I want people to listen to my show, and and but there's a lot of room for for different things out there, you know, and it, you know what you guys do is different from what we do, and what the Dorkening does is different from what both of us do, and and there's there's room for for everything. It's like food, right? Like you don't want to eat the same thing every single day, so right. And I mean, that's why we play promos for other people's shows, you know, because because we like them, right? And because and we want you to like them too. You know, there's more than there's more flavors than just vanilla. Thank God. Sometimes you want not that unicorn stuff. Sometimes you want anchovy ice cream. Yes. <laughs> oh man, just just mix it all up. <laughs> what you do is you take some mayonnaise and some stale bread and some ice cubes. You make that. Just mix that up. Oh, that sounds mm. disgusting. By the way, I wanted to ask Ashes, what do you think of that Bruins uh, Stanley Cup win? Oh my God. <laughs> Well, well, maybe, maybe at this point, maybe <laughs> if they keep playing the Wait, way we're that in they the fl- fl- we're in the fl- future. Yeah, this, yeah, this is true. I can <laughs> they, did the, they did win the first game. Yeah, they won game one. Um, I predict that they will also win game two. We're trying to win tickets, so maybe we have gone. Maybe we didn't, but hopefully, maybe we I'm did. watching it from the comfort of my couch. But 
But yeah, uh, playoff hockey. Ugh, yeah. Love it. Love it. Get chills just talking about it. So I think with that being said. Yes. We, we will, will see you next Thursday. Thursday. Or maybe tomorrow or this weekend at Scaracon. Come Yay! see us. Be our friends. Hooray. Hooray.